Welcome to the Lessons with Lion podcast, your portal for everything marketing and entrepreneurship on the African continent. I'm your host, Lebu Lion SA, a digital marketer, podcaster, and SMME growth strategist who's transformed over 500 African SMMEs. From our disruptive guest interviews to our unconventional marketing and entrepreneurship lessons, we have enough cool content to keep you in the know. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. You can find Lessons with Lion on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Today's guest is responsible for the global social selling program at Sage. His key focus is to train and enable thousands of sales professionals to fully leverage the potential of social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter to target, understand, and engage with prospects and customers in order to build relationships, find opportunities, and book revenue as part of their sales process. My name is Javuli Nkomo. I am um, originally from Zimbabwe, born and bred. I've been working in the world of tech for a very long time. Social media is my passion. That people need to look at, st- stop thinking so much about what you studied. Just park that for a second. Mm-hmm. And start thinking about the experience that you've acquired and where you want to take yourself. Ireland going back wow geez this is actually going to date me somewhat <laughs> but yeah let's just say it's uh, it's going close to two decades ago wow <laughs> yeah so I, I've been living and working there that's where I built my career I am um, I'm an avid fan of tech so I this is this is literally all I've done for the last um, two decades or so although I do have a background in education so basically when I went to college originally the plan was to shape young minds and do all those amazing things. <laughs> and then I went into a classroom and realized I absolutely did not like teenagers. So, yeah, wow. that, that, that was a, a very quick shift. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, to, to your point, um, I've, I've been working in the world of tech for a very long time. Social media is my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point in time, I work for a company called Sage, mm-hmm. which is, I think, is a very well-known brand here if you are in the financial services uh, space. So, um, you know, ERP and, and financial uh, accounting platform, payroll, pretty much. Big all that terms. Kind of stuff. Yes. Things we stuff. don't enjoy doing for our yes. businesses. Let's just say if you, if you earn a salary <laughs> and you receive a 
pay slip at some point yeah. is probably generated by one of our platforms. Okay, That's cool. basically how that works. Um, and I, I essentially run the um, a social selling program or modern selling program for mm-hmm. Sage mm-hmm. globally. Um, and it's all around empowering our sales and marketing colleagues um, to better utilize social media platforms to acquire new customers and keep our existing ones in a nutshell. To me, that sounds exciting. But (laughs) I already know a lot about the marketing industries and, you know, I'm really excited about tech. But for people who don't know, who think that marketing is advertising and they think sales is marketing and they think technology is for IR, please can you just demystify all of these things for us? Yeah, of course, absolutely. So I think um, you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of mystification mm-hmm. that that's around that surrounds the whole uh, sales and marketing space and, and 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 how those two disciplines sort of um, or they should complement each other. But uh, I think uh, they're historically they're very antagonistic. You know, you any company you go into, you know, salespeople do not do enough with what marketing generates. Salespeople will tell you that marketing never actually generate enough. So there's there's always that sort of push and 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 pull. But in in essence, you know, the way I approach marketing and and sales because I really don't sit in either category. Yeah. What I do for a living enables both of those um, uh, departments, if you like, mm. to work in a in in symbiosis, really, mm. in 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 harmony, because it allows them to have. To have you know to, to visualize the pointy end of the spear and really understand exactly what it is that they're supposed to do okay. and how they're supposed to work together. So simple simple case in point is when you look at um, from a social media perspective, you know if if a marketing department owns the entire social media campaign, so you you're a company or an individual and you have a marketing department or you, know, you own a company, whatever the case may be, and you say to the marketing people, we need to find new business. Mm. Uh, here's a bunch of money, go do it. Um, they're very, and you're a marketing person, so you know there's very specific marketing lingo, mm-hmm. which all <laughs> salespeople hate mm. because they, now, now this stuff really makes a lot of sense in the real world. What I want is when marketing have done their job and they put this thing in front of me and they say, this is a hard lead, this is, a, this is one that you need to go after. Mm. It needs to be something that I can pick up and say, okay, so what is it that you guys talked to prospects about mm. that I can also articulate and essentially it's almost like if you think about a relay, you know, like a hundred meter relay kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, there should be this seamless um, handover process, mm. you know, so whatever marketing have done, yes. sales should be able to run with it yes. all the way to close and then, you know, there's a whole process beyond that around mm. how to keep that customer happy. So when you look at it from a social media perspective, when we go back to using platforms like LinkedIn, like Twitter, whatever you use in Germany, using Zing and all of these things, mm-hmm. what we're trying to get to with social media today is to get to this point where the campaigns and everything that we're doing, all the language that we use, all the content that we create, mm-hmm. everything that we're sharing on social media is, 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 is a, even just from a language perspective, it should be in harmony. The objectives that we're going through, we, we talk about things, and I don't want to get into sort of like technical terms, but... Yeah. Customers buy any product for the value that it delivers. To them. To them, yeah. exactly. And in, in our world, and I'd like to believe in any world where you're actually selling, mm. value is always measured in pretty much the same terms. Value will always be measured in terms of, from a B2B perspective, it's measured either as um, the revenue that it will deliver to a company mm-hmm. or the costs 
that it will help the company to reduce or the risk that it will help that company to mitigate. Mm. So if, if whatever we're trying to put together as a, as a, as a social media package, whether it's a, it's a campaign, it's content, if none of those things align to one or more of those categories, mm. we are wasting our time. And a lot of the time, stuff coming out of marketing doesn't obviously align to any of those values. It's, it's not obvious to the salesperson because mm. it's all in marketing speak. Mm. So we need to sing from the same hymn sheet. And that's where we need to start. So anything that we create that will actually end up becoming part of a, of a marketing campaign, um, whether it's social media or whatever the case may be, yeah. needs to align to all of that. And it will translate throughout the, the, lifestyle, the life cycle of the customer as well. And I don't want to get down into that because that's, that's like, that's, yeah, a like whole I, nother thing. that's a whole nother story. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go down there. But yeah, I hope that makes sense. It makes absolute sense to me. So I've got a trick question for you. Ooh, okay. A couple of weeks ago, I tweeted, uh-huh. marketing and sales are not siblings. They are mm-hmm. cousins. They're not twins. They are uh, cousins. cousins. Yeah. What do you think? What are marketing and sales? If they were a family, <laughs> what wow, would they be? Wow, wow, okay. <laughs> this hmm. is where your creativity this comes into no, play. No, this is interesting because uh, I'm just trying to think about the dynamics that um, would lead to them being cousins. Because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time, the way that, well, let's, let's put it this way. I think what you're talking about there is the idealistic scenario. That's okay. how it should work. Okay. In reality, in most organizations today, Sales and marketing are not only siblings, they're squabbling siblings. Really? Yes. So this is in terms of how businesses use sales and marketing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because the traditional view of sales, like I'm, and we're really, we're trying very hard at the moment to redefine that relationship. Mm. Um, because traditionally, sales and marketing are very siloed. The only point where they where there's an overlap is not with the human element. It's yeah. the systems that hand over things from marketing to sales. You yeah. know, if you use a platform like Salesforce or any other CRM system, you'll use Eloqua and all these other tools that, you know, once marketing have scored a lead enough and they go, this looks like, you know, the customer has clicked enough times on something on our web page. They've downloaded enough white papers. They've all the stuff. It's, it's got the right score. System decides to pass it on. So it's it's very automated and very robotic. And as a result, sales do not tend to have enough of a platform to interact with marketing and be in a position to say, actually, what you guys are doing sucks. Mm -hmm. It's not allowing me to hit quota. And what eventually transpires at the end of the day is that they perceive marketing almost as the enemy. Because marketing will tell senior management, we're generating more than enough for these guys to hit their quota, but they're not doing it. So it's almost like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go and tell dad mm-hmm. that this is what you did kind of way. So that's, that's how it is now. Now with the ideal, obviously, I don't know whether cousins, I suppose cousins, yes, cousins would work. Cousins will always have each other's back. And uh, they tend to, <laughs> will they? They tend, well, they should, again. They should. Yeah, we'll go yeah. down the idealistic route. <laughs> they should. And I think there's, there's a lot more room for harmony. I think mm. with that particular scenario that you're putting 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 forward, but uh, you'd be hard pressed to find companies out there today where there's that harmony between marketing and sales. Very very hard. I agree with you. I've yeah. experienced it, so I completely agree with you. And if you're listening and you don't agree with us, or you have just a different perspective, don't forget to email me on lessonswithlion at gmail dot com and let me know what you think. Before we start talking about LinkedIn, I've got two more questions about marketing and sales for okay. you. Okay, the first one is, and it's a conversation I always have with people. As somebody who's 
was born in Africa, but now works in Europe, which is really an amazing economy if you're looking at it from an African perspective. How important is marketing for the African continent? It's absolutely crucial. Mm. Because, I mean, marketing is essentially shining a spotlight mm. on whatever it is that you want people to see. And you get to control that narrative to a great degree. Mm. It's whatever shades you want it to be. It's as bright and bling as you want it to be. Mm. Um, I don't think African brands get enough recognition or visibility by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. I always find it funny that, and funny, I suppose, in a, in a way that, you know, when, whenever I, I come over from Europe, it, it feels like going through like a, some kind of weird time lapse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's like it's literally like there's some virtual wall mm. between because you you get here right and 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 I'm here and I'm getting really immersed because I've I've been in in South Africa for uh, for a couple of months now. And I'm really getting immersed in the culture and everything that's going on and, 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 and looking at how businesses operate and, mm. and you look at, you know, uh, all sorts of different media on TV and I, I listen to radio all the time when I'm driving and I'm amazed at the amount of marketing that goes on there mm. in, in every shape or form. And then you cross that divide and you go over and you're like, well, why aren't we seeing more of this amazing stuff mm-hmm. that we do over here, over there, mm. you know? But you come here, you know, European brands are all over the market here. They mm-hmm. are everywhere. You walk into any shop that is consumer or, or business. You look at the companies that we have here. You know, it's exactly the same thing that you see if you go into Silicon Valley in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You come here, you know, you've got your Oracles. I drove past Microsoft just today in Princeton. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. I didn't realize they had an office in Joburg. But mm. you, you do not see the same um, for African brands. And I think, um, you know, it's it's... I don't know whether, it, I don't really, I'm not particularly privy to what the barriers are, mm-hmm. whether these are actual uh, legal barriers or whether they, you know, there's, there's something beyond, you know, just looking inwards versus outwards mm-hmm. for, for, for brands here. Mm-hmm. But I think we're missing a huge opportunity, massive opportunity. We as Africans. Yes, missing massively. What kind of opportunity? For growth. I mean, okay. if you think about it, um, you can only... Um, cater to your local market up to a point. Mm. You know, at some point, you know, yeah, there is a ceiling. Yeah. There is a ceiling, and 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 I think, I think a lot of it, of course, is always that perception that you know they've been doing it longer, they do it better, they have better resource, they have better technology. Mm-hmm. Can we compete? I can say for a fact, absolutely, mm-hmm. we can. What we offer here is is unique. Mm-hmm. It's very different. I think. I don't think it was yourself that we're talking about about um, a, a particular cosmetic brand that uh, you know uh, uh, a celebrity in uh, from Dave. Barbados. <laughs> we won't we won't name names, yeah. but her uh, <laughs> and, and her particular brand. And and you think about it that you know for a long time we've not had cosmetics that are created for people of color mm-hmm. by a person of color. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Africa is full of people of color. Yep. Like, why does it have to come from a tiny island in, in the, you know, mm. and, and suddenly it's a global phenomenon? Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, and now the people here are crazy about that brand and they want it here. Like, but it can't get you. Yes. And why do they want it here? Yeah. Why not create why? their own? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and it's small things like that that mm. I'm like, you know, um, we just need to be bold. Yeah. We need to take those chances. But think about it. What's the worst that can happen? Okay. You know, and then that's that's my thing that I, I'm. We are completely surrounded by brands that are 
very specific to that part of the world that, that cater for people of that part of the world. Look at what happens with tourists when they come here. I always laugh when you see a, 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 um, a plane coming in from South Africa or Kenya and it lands in, in Heathrow and you're waiting there for your flight. And everyone's getting off those planes carrying every curio they could get on the plane mm-hmm. to take back with them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, why do people have to come all the way here to get stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Why, why don't we do more to actually... And I mean, that's on a really low, sort of like small level. Mm-hmm. But there is so much more that we could be doing, I think. Okay. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And I know that you're not in sales or marketing. You're kind of in the middle of both, like you said. But for the sales professional, the African sales professional, what kind of advice would you give them about kind of navigating through their career as a salesperson? And what is the landscape of sales in Africa? So I think, um, like I was just speaking to... Um, a friend of mine just yesterday um, and he's a key account manager for um, a software company here and you know he's I, I actually introduced him to the world of tech and of sales and he's progressed so well over the years that this has become his thing and and he was saying to me like why, why on earth aren't more people doing this mm. um, and I was like well actually I don't know um, up until a month ago I was trying to recruit for a very specific position within the company where I work. And um, it took us six months because we're determined to actually get someone who is in this country rather than getting someone from abroad and then, you know, because that's where a lot of the skills that we're looking for are. And these are not specialized skills by any stretch of the imagination. They are skills that a salesperson who has been in sales a long time and has reached that point where they have knowledge and wisdom and experience to share in buckets mm-hmm. would be in a position to, to take up. Um, we struggled to get somebody locally in Johannesburg. Uh, wow. We still have headcount for four more people of the same caliber. I, have, I do not have much faith that we will find anyone before, say, June of this year. Why? Um, and that, that gets to my point, that... There's, there's a general attitude, I feel, here that, you know, if you get into a job, so you go to college or go to university, you study to do, study marketing mm-hmm. or uh, something along those lines, uh, you get into a marketing job, the general trend is, I want to get as high up within a marketing organization as I can. Still? Yeah. In SA, I, yes, I get, yes, I have had, one company. Yes, I okay. have spoken to so many folks who are relatively young people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh. Why not, why not spread your wings? You know, the, 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 the skill that you've acquired. Like, if you're a marketing person, taking that skill set and moving it into sales is actually relatively simple. Yeah. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because you, you've, you, over time, you get so much exposure to either one of those, those worlds that you can very easily translate that into becoming something that you do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that, that could be a starting point. That people need to look at, st- stop thinking so much about what you studied. Just park that for a second mm-hmm. and start thinking about the experience that you've acquired and where you want to take yourself. Because, again, when you do interviews here, what you studied in college is a big thing. Mm. It's way too big. So people rely on yes, the qualification we, we, we way too much. way too much weight. Mm. I've recruited salespeople who studied sports psychology. Mm. It's nothing to do with sales. And they are phenomenal at their jobs. Mm. Uh, one company that I, I, uh, I work for, our head of sales, was an accountant. He was a chartered accountant. Mm-hmm. That's what he studied to do. 
But he's taken that on and looked at his passion and what he's good at and what he enjoys. And like, who doesn't, who doesn't, like, doesn't like writing their own paycheck, which is what happens in sales, typically. As, if you're really good, mm. you determine how much you get paid. A lot of companies offer uncapped commission today, especially the tech companies. So you sell, you know, the more you sell, the, the accelerators and the commission, you know, you, you, you make stupid amounts of money. Mm-hmm. But people just, I think there's a, a relatively narrow, um, and, and it's not just people's opinions. I know there are a lot of companies that also restrict that mobility. Mm. But I often say, you know what, if, if the company that you're in is very narrow-minded in that sense, then you also have to question, you know, your future within that organization. Mm. Um, I learned at a very young age that the easiest way for me to get a, a salary hike was to leave the company that I'm working for mm. and renegotiate my terms with another company. And two years later, I'd do, do that with another company. And you just kept moving. So you have to be selfish on, a, on, on that sort of level. Mm. But you also have to be extremely bold. Really, have to be willing to take the chances. Sales, sales is a cutthroat game, but man, it is lucrative. It is lucrative, and if you're if you're in a place like Johannesburg, there are so many tech companies, there's so many sales companies out there. And don't be afraid to start at the bottom as well. You know, most people start off at business development level. Go in there, learn the ropes, and and in no time at all, you'll find yourself doing extremely well. Three characteristics of a good salesperson. Tenacity is one thing. Which means? So. You will get a lot of no's. <laughs> like if you're one of those people who does not take no very easily, mm-hmm. sales is not for you. <laughs> it's going to, yes. So there's that, absolutely. Willingness to learn. Okay. Um, the problem with sales is that at some point you're going to get good. Mm-hmm. And then the ego is going to show up and it's going to become this gremlin, like a proper anticology, mm-hmm. chasing you around all day long. Mm-hmm. And after a while, you're like, you know, I've been there, done that. You know, what can you tell me? And I, I train people for a living. So I contend with these sort of things every single day. You can see them walking through the door. Mm. They have a giant ego behind them. Yeah. Can't really help people beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I say, yeah, so tenacity, which is essentially determination and just being super focused. I think um, lots of humble pies, I just said, you know, be very, very willing and very open to learning. Um, and like, like I said before, you, know, just, you just need to be bold. You have to be, you have to be really willing to take the chances. The problem with every sales job is... You don't know how well you're going to do until you've taken it. Mm. Every company that you're trying to work for is always going to tell you that we have the best product. We have a great value proposition, great placement in the market, lots of investment. We're, you know, we've got lots of stuff in R&D. This is what we're going to do. You only ever really get to understand, really look at the belly of the beast, as it were, mm. when you get into the company. But sometimes you get in and you're like, wow, you know, I should have been in here earlier. And I've worked for a few companies like that. Where I'm yeah. like, where was I five years ago? I should have really gotten in early here. Mm. So, yeah, just be bold, be tenacious and just be willing to learn. Guys, you heard that. I think Jabu is our sixth guest to say that. Be bold, be tenacious be and be willing to learn. And I would actually extend that to anything that you want to do. If you have those three characteristics, you're probably going to find your way to what you're trying to do at one point or another. So don't say that I'm preaching because everybody who's doing something with their lives says this. Yes, this is shade for those people who like to say funny things. But let's get into LinkedIn now. Mm -hmm. Social media. LinkedIn is a social media. And a lot of people in South Africa that I've engaged with don't even treat it as that. that. Mm -hmm. Because to them, LinkedIn is for old people. It's like a digital CV. That's basically all it is. It's like you go on, you put up what you do, and then you're done. So why do you like LinkedIn? What is it about LinkedIn that makes it so valuable? 
Um, so I work in B2B, and mm-hmm. um, I've, I have this conversation with a lot of people in B2C and people who have you know, a presence on, on, on Instagram. Actually, a lot of the people that I interact with at the moment are like, yeah, but I have Instagram. You know, why do I need LinkedIn? First things first is, um, in, in South Africa specifically, I think I was, I can't remember what I was talking to you a while ago, was it um, Ballpark, you're talking about 9 million professionals. Mm-hmm. In, in, in South Africa. Mm-hmm. About 8.2 million of them are on LinkedIn. Oh, the number's grown? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it has. Yeah, literally, I checked that, up with, uh, with, checked that up with LinkedIn this morning. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to make double check. I said, <laughs> yeah, actually, we're at about 8.2 now. I'm like, yes. That's we're amazing. Growing, we're growing, we're growing. So if you think of it that way, and think about the fact that you have that many professionals, and you are someone who operates in the B2B space, there is no other platform in South Africa that gives you that much access mm-hmm. to that many professionals. And like, if you were to use, say, a premium LinkedIn license, you get access to all those people, all of them. Like, mm-hmm. literally, whoever you're looking for, if they're on LinkedIn, you get all their information up front okay. to, to do it as, 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 as you please. But beyond that, we go back to your question around... Um, South, South African companies and you know how I see their marketing efforts mm. and the exposure and their presence outside of of, uh, of, um, of the African LinkedIn. continent. Mm. LinkedIn has what over six hundred and thirty million. That's also grown. It. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. Over, si- over so six hundred. I think they're at about six hundred and thirty-four at mm. this point. Yeah. Six hundred and thirty-four million professionals. That's just the individuals. That's mm. not even talking about the companies that are on that. Mm. And this is literally all available to you on your MacBook or your PC or your phone. Mm. And you have a business. The opportunity for you to do something spectacular is huge because you have access to all those people. Every one of those companies, every one of those individuals is a prospective client mm-hmm. of yours, depending entirely on how you play it. So that in itself for me is a humongous opportunity and one that cannot be ignored. Genuinely. Um, but like I said, I'll go back to the whole B2C, B2B mm-hmm. argument. You know, it is a lot it's of it just, has sorry, to do Sorry, explain yeah. what B2B is and B2C is. Yeah, so like mm-hmm. business to business. Okay. So like literally you're selling to business to businesses versus, mm-hmm. you know, um, B2C where you are really focusing on consumers, yeah. end users, as yeah. it were. Um, and, and I think, you know, there are platforms that lend themselves very well to one or the other. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn primarily is a B2B platform mm. um, and that's that's how you need to approach it once you actually put on that hat and you look at it from that perspective everything else will make sense to your point about cvs okay make sure that your profile looks like a cv if you're looking for a job mm. the rest of the time your profile should be answering the question why should i do business with you mm. rather than why should i give you a job huh. so you need to fix that that's okay. the first thing now, literally i typically spend uh, half a day with people in a room just fixing that because it's actually not as easy to do as you might think. Because what most people will do, so if you go onto anyone's profile, I could pick anybody even right now, and mm-hmm. you'll find that the first thing that they'll do is they'll put, this is my name, Stavosong Como. Um, degree. <laughs> yeah, this is a degree that I have in brackets, you know, MBA yeah. or MSc or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, they'll put their job title. Mm. Which is great for recruiters. Yes. If they're looking for you. Yeah. If I if I if you if you're using LinkedIn with the specific intent to secure clients, 
What I need to know is what is it that you do for a living that, that will add value to what I do for a living. So really what you put on LinkedIn should always, your entire profile should be a value statement. Okay, you're getting into some really deep things here. Yeah. And I just <laughs> want us to unpack it a little bit. I warned bit. you. No, this happens. Yeah, no, no, I, I, do, I do get lost into this stuff very, very quickly. No, so, I'm, yeah. I'm very happy that you're going into detail, but I just want to slow down a bit yeah. for people who are, mm-hmm. you know, losing us a little bit. So you talked about B2B, you mm-hmm. know, business to business. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is for that. If you're looking for a job, you can put your job title mm-hmm. there. But if you're looking for clients, then you must do it differently, right? Mm-hmm. But... For the person who doesn't really know LinkedIn or mm-hmm. and how it works, when you go on LinkedIn, you put in your profile as in who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So how is that different to putting on a business profile? Am I supposed to have a different profile for my business mm-hmm. and for myself? Or am I my business if I own a business? And so when people click on Label Lion, they're actually clicking on my business. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. Yeah. And and you will get um, you will get a lot of people who use it in that context. The norm is so say for example I work for Sage. Yeah. Uh, Sage has I have my profile, mm-hmm. but we have a company profile okay. that's specific to Sage that talks about who we are and, and it also um, the way that LinkedIn will work is that you know all all employees of that company will contribute to the overall number that appears on that page that says mm-hmm. You have 16 employees on LinkedIn. So if someone is actually look, goes to your company page and they are looking for somebody who works there, they will click that. They'll see X number of people work here. They click on that number and it will show them everyone who's on LinkedIn who works there. Then they can drill down that way. Um, but from, from the perspective of, you know, if you are, if you are the company, mm-hmm. you are the brand, then it's even more imperative that your profile is on point mm. because um, you, you want to combine you, the person, mm. because as people buy from people, always has been, probably always will be, despite mm. the fear of robots and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you, want, you want to be able to, and like we probably need to end up having to go into some detail, but you know, the way that those pages are structured is such that you can have enough information about the individual, the person, mm-hmm. and also talk about what the business does. And even then, when you do talk about the business, it's operative word here is value. Value, mm. value, value, value. Why should anyone... Here's the thing that happens very much nowadays, and I see it all the time now, especially when I'm, when I'm, when I'm in, in, in Europe or the US. I will see a notification come through on my, in my inbox that says, so-and-so just viewed your profile on yeah. LinkedIn. Yeah. And then two minutes later, I'll get a calendar invite for a meeting. What? Those two things go hand in hand almost all the time. Okay. So point being, your profile should, even if you're, if you're trying, if someone is trying to sell you something or mm. you're trying to sell them something, at some point, someone is going to be on LinkedIn looking the other person up. Mm. And a lot of the time what happens is you send an invite or you request a meeting or you send an email, someone, look, this is what I do, uh, would be interested in, in working with you. I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to collaborate, whatever the case may be, whatever you're selling. Mm. And before they respond, they'll always look you up on LinkedIn. Hmm. They have a quick look, you know, who is this person? Why should I talk to them? Where do they work? What does mm. their company do? Mm. 
are there any media sort of ratings? Is there anything that, that I can find on LinkedIn that says, you know, what are they like as a company to work for, mm. to work with, whatever they can... It's, all this information is readily available at literally the click within LinkedIn. Mm. So when you think of it that way, it's actually quite scary because if, you, if your profile is not on point and people are looking at it... You're um, in trouble. You're in trouble. You're sabotaging you're your sabotaging brand. You're yourself. Okay. Absolutely. Both, yeah, both the brand and yourself. And even worse, if you are the brand then, you know, yeah, it, it can be fairly devastating. Okay, so just to get this right, if I am an entrepreneur, right, mm-hmm. and I have a business, it's small, a couple of people know about it, and I want to open a LinkedIn profile, mm-hmm. you're saying I should open one as myself, as mm-hmm. the business owner, mm-hmm. but talk a little bit about what my business does. Yes, Essentially, ideally. because ideally, yeah. most of the time the owner would hold more weight than the company if the company is not that well-known. Yes, exactly. If you're still, a, yeah, if you're still an entrepreneur and you're, you know, one-man band, absolutely. Yeah. But once you have your brand has some presence, mm-hmm. by all means, create a company page because okay. a company page is great in that you know you can you can also post you know um, brands that you've worked with. Uh, you can ask for testimonials from companies where you've where you've scored some really good successes, yeah. and that appears there because then everybody goes to look at that and they're like, okay, well, yeah, we obviously if you've worked with A, B, C and D limited mm-hmm. and you've done this well you know we'd be very happy it, it's, it's pretty much a dynamic testimonial that, that keeps business rolling in for you okay yeah. so let's go back to what we were talking about <laughs> the basics yes. I want to do LinkedIn because mm-hmm. someone told me that I can get a whole lot of business on LinkedIn mm-hmm. where do I start what do I do so start off by creating a LinkedIn.com profile so okay. just sign up for LinkedIn that's the first thing um couple of tips yes your profile photo is really important it's far more important than yes. most people think it is mm-hmm. which is why you know that photo that you posted up from last friday night uh, or at a party or at a wedding or on safari and all that stuff unless that really 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 <laughs> aligns with what you do don't put it there mm-hmm. i would say use a mugshot you know, I'm not saying wow. you know, look like you've been arrested, but mm-hmm. I'm saying your face needs to be clear. Mm. Absolutely clear. Um, that would be the first thing. Um, your title. In, term, in terms of photos, sorry mm-hmm. for cutting you off. Yeah, of course. So a lot of people have this perception that LinkedIn is for professionals and professionals wear suits. No. So what if I am a graphic designer and I wear jeans and a t-shirt to yeah. work every day? Mm-hmm. Should my profile look like that? Or should I wear a suit because... Everyone who's on LinkedIn is looking for suits. No, no, no. I would say absolutely dress the way. Think about, think of, again, think about who you, who you want to work with. And, and, and it's, like, it's like with every other marketing thing that you do. I mean, you're thinking about your audience, thinking about, the, you know, what, what is it that will stick? What, is, what will resonate with the type of person that you are trying to do business with? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that look is part of the brand, and I, I, I know a lot of companies that... That, that do exactly the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, everybody dresses in a very specific way, like European companies actually just don't do the formal thing, that's okay. just what it is, you know, they're just very jeans and t-shirt type of, of environments. Um, I don't think that in itself is the biggest issue, I think it's more when you're dressed that way and then you want to get a full body shot, mm. that thing mark shot, like literally okay. just, you know, like torso and upwards. That's so enough. full body way, should always be... Kind of for corporate formal. Yeah, no, not even so much because the idea here is um, if I look at your LinkedIn profile, yeah, I need to be able to recognize you. Mm. You know, uh, I, I don't want to think like I've seen photos where like someone posts some something from 
how they looked 12 years ago. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't help. <laughs> because ultimately, at some point, we're going to need to meet. And I want to say, oh, <laughs> you look different. <laughs> it's become a bit of an awkward start to the conversation. Mm. Um, I think just as a rule of thumb, you know, from mid-torso upwards, whether you wear a T-shirt, collared shirt, whatever the case may be, like I, I, if you look at my profile, I'm just wearing a shirt. I don't wear a tie or a suit mm. or anything like that. But it's the quality of the photo. It shouldn't be blurry. Uh, it could be black and white if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but just make it look as professional. If you think about um, some of the stuff that you see on company web pages, like mm-hmm. you will go in and they'll be like, our staff. You will see some of them. Like, some of those can be a bit stiff, in fairness. But the quality of the images is exactly what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Like, the beauty of it is that phones will pretty much take that quality of, of, uh, of picture all the time. But I've reached a point now where when I run training sessions, I bring a professional. We set up a booth and people just... Because, yeah, like, uh, yeah, some of the photos are just like, look, there's no, no one's going to talk to you, dude. Seriously, yeah. they're not going to reply your call mm. while you're carrying that giant fish that you've got on your profile picture. No. Mm. So, yeah, I'll say that, that's a rule of thumb. That'll be, that'll be it. Okay, so clear picture. Clear picture. And then? Uh, torso upwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. Uh, like, you should just think mugshot. Yeah. You know, if you'd been arrested and they took a picture... You know, those pictures, we've all seen them on TV in the movies. It's literally where you're holding that little placard and it's like mm-hmm. midway, uh, just below your chest. Mm-hmm. That's that, that sort of, of, of level. Mugshots in terms yeah. of orientation. Yeah. And, okay. yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So the first thing you need is to have a picture. And then what's the second? Good picture. picture. Uh, there's that. Now, LinkedIn by default will give you this weird blue background. Mm. That laziness, that is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that for you is a really great you canvas. Mean the banner above. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So yeah. if you put your picture just behind you, there's this great big blue banner that just mm. uh, is automatic with LinkedIn. Mm. Change that great opportunity for you to brand yep. you know you could put something to do with your company or w- w- whatever actually will convey a message to the prospective client if you if that's what you're looking for that would be another thing um absolutely change that like i've got if if i look at my linkedin you actually see i've got, I've got like this really cool sage picture that i took with my phone mm. um so that's that's another thing so from a visuals perspective those are the two things that you really need to be mindful of your photo and the banner behind you then you get to the difficult bit, which is telling people what you do. Okay, your job title, no. Okay, big no, no. Why not? Because that's typically... Have you, have you seen just how ambiguous job titles are now? Mm-hmm. You look at someone's job and you're like, job title, and you're like, what does that even mean? Mm. Even more so if you're trying to do business with me and I'm looking at your job title and I cannot for the life of me figure out how that relates to my business. So what I would say in this, that sort of situation is back to the value statement. What do you do for a living that would bring value to your clients? What, okay. what does that actually mean? Uh, like, if, if, like if you're a sales rep, sales representative, account executive, all I, all I know is, yeah, this guy's always going to try and sell me something. But whatever you sell is very specific to the company that you work for. And you're approaching me because whatever you sell could have a profound or even a strategic impact on my business and impact my bottom line or help me to reduce costs or help me to manage risk. So tell me about that. You know, just craft something that's relatively compelling. 
Okay, so for example, guys, I've got Jabu's LinkedIn profile <laughs> here in front it. of me. Ah! <laughs> Sneaky. And his bio says, coaching sales teams and sales leaders to leverage the power of digital platforms and deliver revenue. Should I say that again? I think I should. Coaching sales teams and sales leaders to leverage the power of digital platforms and deliver revenue. Tell us a bit more about that. Why is that a good bio? So I could, I could just put uh, global manager social selling. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my official title. That's what I'm paid to do by mm-hmm. the company. Um, you look at that and you're like, well, what does that even mean? What's, what's social selling? Okay, so it's global. So, okay, obviously it manages this all over the world. <laughs> but what does that mean? I'm a sales leader. Yeah. You know, why should I talk to this guy? What is it that he can actually deliver to my business that makes a conversation with him a compelling proposition? Mm. But ultimately what my job is, the core of my job is essentially around enabling sales teams and sales organizations to effectively use social media or digital platforms and figure out how to actually monetize that. Mm. That's, that's the core of what I do. And if I put it in those words, that language resonates with anybody who carries a quota or who manages a team that, that carries a quota. Okay. So just from that perspective, already like, ah, okay. It's digital, okay, and uh, yeah, they're just sales. figuring out, yeah, the sales, and okay, let's figure out how to, yeah, they, they can connect the dots. Mm. Um, but the majority, vast majority of, uh, of, of job titles are extremely, are extremely vague. So it, it, the value statement is very clear there. You know, I'm not about helping them to reduce the costs or even manage risk. It's all about helping them to increase revenue. Yeah. So I've already tied it into the value piece there. Okay, so yeah. what's next? We've got this bio that we've written, and yeah. then after that? After that, what tends to happen with most people is the about, mm. which is all about celebrating me. You know, if you're a salesperson, they're going to start telling you about how many times they made President's Club, mm-hmm. where they did 200% of their number. Like, literally, they, it goes on and on about how phenomenal they are. Okay. And again, if it's a CV and you're looking for a job, and you're trying to give someone a compelling reason to hire you, mm. that's great. That'll work. Okay. But again, when you go to the about section there for someone who is trying to, or who actually is tailoring their profile so that it is more aligned to why, I sh- why should you do business with me, mm. the piece about you or a passion statement, if you like, should really be essentially the first bit. Like it just, you know, you talk about, um, actually, yeah, it's called a passion statement. It's depending on where you're in the world, like that sticks and sometimes people go, what, you want me to put up to now? But it, it, the passion statement really just, it talks about what it is that, that you, you do, where you work, and, and what is it that, that you're passionate about in what you do. People, like we talked about the fact that people buy from people. Mm. And ultimately, you're talking about the things that really drive you to get up in the morning, what it is that you love about your job and, and what you do, it, it humanizes you on, on quite a lot of levels. Okay. Um, so you go through things like that, like your passion statement, you'll then have, and, and I strongly always recommend that with the about section is that you split it out into at least three short paragraphs. Really, really important. Why? First bit, because then it makes it that much more consumable. And each of those will be very distinct in terms of what it talks about. You know, you have your passion statement, it'll talk about you and, you know, what, what you do. You'll have something in there a little bit about the company that you work for. 
that's that's quite important as well um, when you break it down. Um, and depend on, depending on, 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 on the part of the world that you're in, you can even pull a, put a call to action statement at the bottom, you know, which talks about should you want to have a conversation or meet or whatever the case may be. These are my contact details or let's connect on LinkedIn. But that, that, that component typically varies from region to region. You know, there are parts of the world where when you recommend such things, they literally cringe and die. Seen that happen in Germany a couple of times because that's just not the way they work. Um, but it, at its core, without really going into like nitty gritties, the point with your profile and it's really crucial is that it needs to just answer that question that anybody looking at your profile and they're considering a vendor, they're considering a supplier, they're considering doing business with you. When they look at your profile, they should get all the answers they need about why they should pick up the phone when you call or why they should respond to your email, or why they should accept your invitation for a, a meeting or whatever the case may be. If your profile does not answer that, or doesn't provide enough information in that regard, then you're really missing the point. Okay. You're missing a track. So you're saying that LinkedIn is about leads generation? Yes. Depending on what you do, mm -hmm. yes, it can be very much about lead generation. And what is leads generation? Lead generation. Lead generation. Yeah, leads. Leads. Well, <laughs> marketing people and their leads. Lead, so generation. lead generation. It can be a lead gen engine. Yeah. It can be. Okay. Um, it really depends on what you do and the type of, um, like again, let's say if you're an entrepreneur, for example, it can be a very, very good place for you to generate leads because okay. a lot of the time if you are still new mm. um, websites can be good but yeah they can generally everyone tries to be super professional with their website you know so like everything's at 40,000 feet people don't really get into deep specifics about who I am and what I do and why you should work with me and all that stuff on their website I find that LinkedIn can be a far more personal personable platform as well mm -hmm. Um, so from that perspective, if you are an entrepreneur, that is a really good place to be. Like your LinkedIn presence needs to be strong. Your brand on LinkedIn needs to be strong because this is where people are going to go. And so if you go to an event, yeah. you know, you should feel very confident saying, I'd love to work with you, you know, check me out on LinkedIn and, you know, uh, let's, let's have a call. And knowing full well that when people go and check out your LinkedIn, it will actually, it will, it will sell on your behalf. And actually get, get you to a point where you can actually um, have that conversation that leads to, you know, you guys discussing potential business. That's that's the starting point. Okay. If you're a B2B organization and you've gone beyond the entrepreneur stage, you know, where you're one 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 man band. I don't really um, focus so much on LinkedIn as a means for you to find brand new business. What we tend to look at LinkedIn is, is and, and I, there's a lot that you can talk about on, on, the, on, on, this, on this part, but what it tends to do is it, allow, it helps salespeople to accelerate business. So we go back to that original conversation we had about the relationship between marketing and sales. If marketing creates, uh, they run a campaign, they find a bunch of leads, they give those leads to salespeople. Okay. Those leads will typically only have a single contact. So they connected with a person or a person downloaded a bunch of white papers or a person filled in a form on the website based on all this collateral and they have 
submitted a form saying, please have someone contact me. I want to discuss a little bit more about your solution or about ABC. Um, in today's world, for most companies, any buying decision involves a minimum of seven influences within that company. Really? Yes. Okay. There's nothing people are nowadays, nothing people are more afraid of in a company than buying the wrong solution. Because up until the point where you buy, it's all on you, the salesperson, to convince them to buy. And once they've bought, it's all on them because they're the ones who made the buying decision. So because there are that many people involved within that buying circle, it's crucial that you have a platform like LinkedIn because it will actually allow you to, as a salesperson, to figure out who else can be involved. So it mitigates your risk and actually helps you to figure out how to minimize the potential of that deal going south. So it really depends on where you are as, as an organization. As, a, as an entrepreneur, absolutely, lead gen engine in itself okay. because you can only handle so much volume anyway. Mm. But once you become a fully-fledged company and, and you're beginning to have pipeline, this becomes a really good um, platform for you to manage that pipeline and ensure that more like, I mean, typically, typical organization closes 30% of pipeline at best. Mm -hmm. With something like this, you can find that additional 5 to 6%, which depending on the size of each individual contract can be sizable. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we have a buy, we have an about us section, we've got clear pictures and banners, life mm -hmm. is great. I won't go into the activity and experience mm -hmm. uh, boxes for now, um, but I want to go into how to get connections. Mm -hmm. I love how on LinkedIn they don't say followers, it's connections. connections yeah. How do you build connections on LinkedIn? Where do you start from zero? So if it's, I, I wish I was on zero. Oh, I wish God. because I do, I do, <laughs> I do because I, I didn't have the luxury of someone saying to me, okay, sit down. I'm going to explain to you what to do around mm -hmm. getting connections. I just went crazy in the early days, like connecting with everybody. The way I always talk about the connections you have on LinkedIn is think of them as a captive audience. Okay. It's like... Uh, so captive audience means people who are engaged in your content. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm -hmm. I would say that people can't get what I'm saying. I'm like, you know, think about the fact that you've got people in a room and you've locked the doors and they can't leave and they have no choice but to listen <laughs> to what you're about to tell them. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> captive audience. Yes. And if you think about it from that perspective, captive, you've got that captive audience. Now, you want to build a captive audience that is, only, that is going to be as relevant to what you do and what you sell as humanly possible. So you have to be brutal around who you connect with. Mm. I, I, I wasn't. I think I'm on like seven or 8,000 connections at this point. And I, I don't know a sizable chunk of them. It's probably in the last two to three years that I really became very focused on um, just who I actually connect with. A lot of people that I connected with are colleagues from, from previous companies. But if you're starting from zero today, think about the fact that this is going to be a captive audience. You've got a product. You've got an agenda. You're not just connecting with people for the sake of connecting with mm. people. You have an agenda. Mm. At some point, you want to be able to put... Because the next thing that you do with, with, uh, with, uh, with, with, after you get your connections is the content mm. that you're going to share. And that content will need to be relevant to the people that you're going to share it with. Mm -hmm. So you have this opportunity to vet right from day one who you are connecting with to ensure that at that point when you're running these campaigns... Um, and you're sharing content that engages with your audience and drives that dialogue and really opens up opportunities, that will only happen if it's the right audience. Okay. You know, if you just connect, like, I, I, about four years ago, I think, for some strange reason, my 
contact details ended up on some Indian database. <laughs> Yeah. And and they made it rain, like literally, like I at any given moment, I had 30 or 40 random connection requests from people that I had, and, and I had to just constantly decline mm. because they're like, well, no, this is not going to further any, any agenda that I have today. This is not a prospective audience or prospective employer or prospective client. And that's where you start off with. It's really important. Now, if you're starting from zero and literally have no contacts, um, you are so lucky you have no idea <laughs> because okay yes it's really it's a really good time to do it okay because now you've you've got you've, you you you're going to do it in a very deliberate manner mm. versus looking at everyone and going wow you have 2000 contacts okay and you just go out there and make as many connections as possible mm. you're going to be very deliberate you think about the market that you operate in who are the people that you want to be connecting with you don't always have to connect there's some people who are thought leaders out there that you go in and you follow and when they post con content, you go in there, you like it, you comment on it, you engage with it. Mm -hmm. And at some point, you, you also look at who, who is engaging with the same content. If those people are the type of people that you want to be connecting with, then you connect with them. Mm -hmm. Don't connect randomly with people that you have absolutely nothing in common with because when they decline that uh, request to connect, it's logged against you. Really? Yes. You get enough of those and LinkedIn will suspend your account. Are you serious? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah, they will suspend your account because the whole point is, is to build relationships. Mm. How do you build relationships with people that you don't know? Mm. Literally have nothing in common with them. You don't even have school or similar colleagues in person. And LinkedIn is very good in that it will make recommendations mm, for you. It does, so it does. does. So when you start out and you set up your profiles and your profile and your preferences and the industry that you work in and the geographical location and all of that, the algorithm will learn. And over time, in the same way that you do with, with things like, 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 uh, like Spotify or Netflix, not like with Netflix, if you watch enough of this, this type of genre of, of, uh, or this genre of movie, it eventually starts making recommendations that, that you know, you would like this as well. So it does the same thing. So if you're saying it's the quality of followers over the quantity, Massively. what makes a LinkedIn profile successful um, on the surface? So if I'm looking, right, because mm -hmm. I'm assuming that a lot of recruiters, even people who just want to connect with you are also looking, mm -hmm. who does he know on LinkedIn? Mm -hmm. And how many conversations is he having? What makes my page look successful to somebody who's just viewing who's it? Who's just viewing it, yeah. yeah. So if I don't very, have a lot of connections. Yeah, so it's a very good segue there because um, content, mm. content is king. You know, you're marketing, you know this. <laughs> so content is king. Um, and... Um, Having said that, you have to be very, very careful about what you post. Mm. So we always talk about the 411 rule. 411 The 411 rule. Okay. So which is basically all about for every six pieces of content that you share on LinkedIn, four of those should have nothing to do with your products or your brand. Mm, I Any like that. Yes. You know, it is all thought leadership. Mm -hmm. Think about, so in my world, um, we, we talk about something called value drivers. Mm -hmm. And value drivers are essentially the top of mind topics for our buying audience. So you yes. think about CFOs and CEOs. What's the stuff that they, that they basically think about? The stuff that they're willing to throw like millions of rand at in order to fix what's going on in their world. And based off that, we will craft content or mm -hmm. find content to share 
that resonates with that. So it could be to do with artificial intelligence. It could, could anything that they're thinking about, or, and, and we run all these studies and we get all this information, but all the content that we put out there will align with that. So you think about your audience mm-hmm. and what you do mm-hmm. and the things that you help them to fix. So that value statement again pops up again. So what is it that you do that would help them to fix all of these problems? And knowing those problems, post content around that. Uh, and, and also try and make it, try and be a little bit provocative when you put, put stuff. Because you want engagement. Yeah. You know, you don't want to just go, like, I, I, it drives me mad when people, someone has a really good article. And then they just show up and they throw it against the wall and they leave it there. Wow. So you think okay. about what happens with that captive audience again. Mm-hmm. They're in a room, you've put up an article on the wall. And they're like, okay, there's an article, so... So what? So what? You know, what is it about that article that I, that, that I should care about? You know, mm. wh- why did you put it up there? You, you should put something in there that says, well... Like, I mean, one of my enga- most engaging uh, pieces of content recently was, um, was about, about um, work shifting. So essentially allowing, allowing your staff to work from home. Mm. Um, and the fact that there's some people who are still living in 1992 who genuinely believe that people working from home are less productive. I wrote this thing, I put all my thoughts out there, and it, yeah, it caused quite a bit of a storm, and lots of people were piling in, and people were unhappy about that. it. Yeah, yeah. so I'll send you a link to it. Um, and, and, it and, and so simple things like that, you know, but I, something that I care about, but at the same time, I know it is a topic mm. that aligns very closely with problems that we help to solve with the, with the tools and technology that we provide. Mm. It allows people to work from anywhere, using whatever device, even on your mobile, if you want to. So it's all around productivity. So you think about stuff like that. So to your point about what makes your page successful mm. is the engagement levels. Ah. And the engagement piece is driven primarily by the content that you share. Nice. If you, and, and think about the content that you share, the quality of it. Quantity is not really a big, a big thing. Okay. It's about quality. Like I, I, I will sometimes share one article in two weeks. Yeah. But I also know people who post an article every week. Mm. Depends on what you're posting and how engaging it is. You know, you have to. A lot of it will be trial and error. Mm. Depending on the audience that you have, uh, and the topics that you post on. Some, some topics are a bit more flammable than others, <laughs> and uh, you will get. But like all engagement is good. Mm. All engagement is good. And again, back to you know, don't get too technical. But the algorithm behind some of these things within within LinkedIn is that you know the more engagement you get, mm. the more you appear on people's feeds. Yes. Like LinkedIn will start recommending to people that they should follow you because you're posting stuff and it's getting engagement. There's a lot of conversations going around like, yeah, this person is potentially a thought leader. And it, it just trickles to the top of the, of the food chain for you. Okay. So, so one thing I've kind of discovered with LinkedIn on my short time there mm-hmm. is the DM, the messaging. Yes. Right? It's really frustrating. Yeah. Because I hate DMs on every single social media platform you can think of. I hate direct messages. Cringe, cringe, cringe. It's not for me. I know people are saying that it's the new thing. I don't care. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And on LinkedIn, it's especially annoying because it feels like it's an automated kind of, hi, nice to connect with you, you know, type of thing. So when it comes to the messaging, that would yeah. be the DM on LinkedIn. Yeah. How should a person navigate through that? Should you have an automated response every time you connect with somebody? How should it work? Um, again, one of those things that um, goes back to you being deliberate mm. about who you're connecting with. So if you think about it, if you're connecting with someone that you're looking at and you're going, this could be a potential client, mm. how lazy is it that you would send something that generic? 
I mean, right. you would never do that via email. Mm-hmm. Why on earth would you do it over LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it does. The whole point with it is to try and make life a little easier, mm-hmm. you know. And there's some people, if you send me a LinkedIn request, for example, and it's got the generic thing in there, I will never accept it. Mm. Absolutely. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just a number. You're trying to build your network. Exactly. Heck no. Yeah. Not doing it. Uh, I need to know why you want to connect with me. And sometimes, you know, you get people who have these sort of ambiguous titles and you accept and it's a generic, um, <laughs> it's a generic. I, I, I once got an invite from someone who turned out to be a Sango. Mm. Yeah, you know? that's big. Yeah, yeah. And, that's and, big in and, South Africa. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, like, mm. and I like, well, where's the value? But you know, it was a very ambiguous tie, and I didn't even really think about it. And I clicked, and I learned my lesson. I was like, okay, now I'm terrified. You know, should I unfriend this person, or will they find me? Mm. But that's a whole other story. Um, the point, to your to your point, actually, um, don't send out anything generic, mm. because again, be deliberate, be concise. You are. Approaching this person for a very specific reason, you want to connect to them because you believe there's an opportunity to collaborate or you're a fan, whatever the case may be, yeah. be clear about why you're connecting, you're asking to, to connect with them. Yeah. Because then at least you're setting the expectation as well. I'm building my network, looking for like-minded professionals. I was on your profile, really enjoyed the articles that you, 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 you shared. I particularly like this one or whatever. Would be phenomenal if you could accept my, my connection request. Love those. Mm. Because I get exactly where you're going. And yeah. I'll not only connect with you, I'll immediately hop on your profile to have mm-hmm. a quick look at who you are, what you do, you know, where's the, where's the possibility for us to work together, business, whatever the case may be. Yeah. But stay away from, from, from the generic ones. And you're absolutely right. They're, they're horrible. Yeah. They're absolutely dreadful. Okay. So everyone's heard your tips. You said the bio, the picture and everything. Direct messaging, mm-hmm. messaging. If I'm starting out on LinkedIn or I've just, I'm kind of there, but you know, I haven't, I'm not seasoned, right? Mm -hmm. What, I'm trying to find a way to phrase this question, but how should I be planning my LinkedIn life for Mm -hmm. the next year? Okay. And how should I be perceiving my LinkedIn? So what I would say is um, a couple of, a couple of things. Um, And I'm not, I, I'm not plugging LinkedIn in any way, mm. but one thing I will absolutely say is that you will start off obviously with LinkedIn.com, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Uh, and you set everything up, you start building your connections, uh, you start seeing a lot of engagement, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, but over time, you will see that it will get very noisy. Ah. It gets very noisy. You, you will get notifications about everything that every one of your connections is posting. Uh, you get a news feed. You get a lot of stuff coming at you, which if you've set up your LinkedIn specifically with a business head on your shoulders and you're thinking, okay, I want to be able to find leads, etc. Mm. Um, over time, that will become, it will, it will cease to become as valuable as you'd like it to be. Okay. So one of the things that I would recommend at least six to nine months in, once you've really begun to build your network in the way and you're beginning to really get a, get your head around LinkedIn, mm. is to really, really strongly consider subscribing to a premium license. Okay. There are different levels of premium licenses depending on whether an organization or an individual. And what I love about the premium version of LinkedIn is your ability to filter. Mm. You can pretty much filter out all of the noise. So... You follow only the people that, you know, um, not even just follow the people, we go back to your point around using LinkedIn for lead mm. generation. 
if you really want to use LinkedIn for lead generation, you need to be using the premium version of it. Mm. And the reason for that is, right now, if you want to, um, if you want to work with me, or you want us to explore the possibilities of working together, mm. and you're on the basic LinkedIn, you will only be able to view my information if we connect. Okay. If you send me an invite and I agree to connect with you. You move on to the premium version of LinkedIn, you have access to all 635 million people on LinkedIn and all the details that they have shared there, whether it's phone numbers, whether it's emails, if you're connected to some kind of a client relationship management platform like Salesforce or, or Microsoft Dynamics, you know, a record where you actually manage your, your, your customers, it allows you to actually import all of that data so you've got it there. Mm -hmm. So you could build out a lead list, whether it's a lead list where you want to call out people or you're going to send them out uh, marketing info or whatever the case may be, you begin to have that. Mm -hmm. So as a business person, that is literally the nugget. At some point, you need to move away from your standard LinkedIn. Um, even if you want to send someone information, you can't email me mm. on LinkedIn if we have not connected. Okay. You cannot send me an email. Yeah. You can send me a connection request, but you cannot send me an email. You cannot attach anything, nothing like that. If you're on the premium platform, there's something called InMail which I'm a huge fan of because the way that it works, I always tell salespeople um, who struggle to, 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 to talk to decision makers. Mm. So like, you know, you've got a deal and you want this deal to go through and every time you send it, you know, the, the executive assistant is shredding all your emails because her mandate is <laughs> keep the salespeople away from me. <laughs> In-mail goes straight to the mobile device. Mm. So if you've done a good job and you've crafted it well and, you know, we could always talk about, you know, best practices around doing stuff like that. But if you do that well, mm. they will receive it on the, on the, on the, uh, directly on their mobile device. And, you know, there's a no-scroll rule and all that stuff. So, you know, they need to be able to just do that and they see it all and they know exactly what you're talking about because if they have to scroll, they're going to delete. Wow. Simple things like that. Mm. So there's small things like that that, you know, they're quite small as individual pieces, but incrementally they, they will have a very transformative effect on how you use this platform as a business person. Okay. I say those those would be the two things like I, I even the two things the key thing really is you need to move your business at some point onto a plat onto the premium mm. whether it's at the end of a year or whatever it, it, you need to get to a point where you've built up enough of a network mm. to see the value of being able to move to, to uh, or you've got a uh, a campaign where you really need to access I don't know was it there was someone I was talking to come with it was you or and we're talking about um, how you can access decision maker details in South Africa you know where can you go is there a database where if I want to find people who I want to, I want to find, find CFOs mm. uh, or I'm looking you know just just to be able to get this information that you need as a salesperson you don't need to search for it it's all on LinkedIn it's all there it's all there Premium however account. it's hard for you to get it on the standard LinkedIn.com because then the CFO mm. first has to agree to connect with you um, but if you're very happy to creep and stalk and do all that good stuff which salespeople do, then you need to do that on the premium version of it. Can a person do B2C on LinkedIn? You can, absolutely, absolutely. Um, again, you know, the, those 9 million professionals that I've just talked about, those are people. Yeah. You know, depends entirely. Yeah, they can be customers. It really comes down to what it is that you're selling. Okay. It depends on the product. 
you know. So like that's nine million potential customers. You know, they're professionals, it which means they technically, technically, yeah. Like I, I round South off Africa. figures. <laughs> I round off figures. Yeah, round them off. Um, just we're, we're going to close off soon, uh, but before we do, I've heard a lot of people say, "Well, I don't need a LinkedIn profile. I've got Facebook." Right. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> what are the differences? Why do we need a LinkedIn profile when we've got a Facebook profile and let's say I've got a page and it's got all these followers and people who, you know, engage in my content and who buy from me, etc., etc. Why do I need to move that to LinkedIn? Am I moving that market to LinkedIn or am I starting a whole new one on LinkedIn? What is it? What's happening? Yeah, so... It's very specific to, again, back to what it is that you do. Mm. The sort of business that you... Like, I, I still would argue that platforms like Instagram and and, um, and Facebook are very B2C. You know, mm. like, Facebook has begun to make inroads into the B2B space because mm. a lot of companies host their pages there. Mm. Um, but those pages typically appeal to end users of the products. Versus the companies that those people work for. Mm. So I don't typically think of Facebook as being a competitor. I think it's a very complementary platform. So I've seen, I've worked for companies, for example, where, you know, um, on our Facebook page, you go and do a fun event, you do a charitable foundation event, as we call it, a charity stuff. You know, you go out with your team, you know, you participate in a kids um, sports day and you're doing sack races and face painting mm. and all that stuff those sort of visuals they work extremely well for Facebook mm. you know they, it's, it's, it's something that's very consumable it's very visual it's, it, it appeals to that particular type of audience on LinkedIn that wouldn't really fly as well really? no I have like again it, could, it may vary from, from region to region mm. But from a B2B perspective, again, uh, like it, it, and I suppose it all comes back to that whole thing that we're talking about. A lot of people tend to view LinkedIn as being a very serious old person type of platform, all fuddy-duddies and yeah. wearing Brooks Brothers suits and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't translate in that particular way. I think you have to, you have to go back to what is your purpose behind having a Facebook page and mm-hmm. having a LinkedIn page. Yeah. Ultimately, if everything goes well, stars, moon, sun align for you and you review after 12 months and you say our LinkedIn campaign was extremely, went extremely well and you know we had a lot of traction on Facebook, what is it that you want to be able to measure and what is it that you want to be able to track and, and, and all of that stuff and pulling things like leads, etc. out of B2B type leads out of Facebook It's hard hard, and there isn't even any real integration. It's the sort of thing that has to be monitored in person. So over time, perhaps, you know, as that company rebrands itself and Mm -hmm. repurposes and repositions, it may ultimately become part of that. But if I were to answer your question in in terms of how LinkedIn works with business systems, Mm -hmm. it probably would get into a really technical conversation, but this is purpose-built to plug into everything that you have as a business. Yeah. Your marketing engines, your customer relationship systems, whatever you use for customer success, all the way through to what you use for, for technical support. Yeah. Allows custom companies to have a complete 360 degree view of their customers. Okay. So that's why it lends itself very well to that sort of professional space. 
I hear what you're saying because mm-hmm. I genuinely understand and you know this is a yeah. field I've also researched and I'm on it so I, I, I get to experience it but for people who are listening and they want to get on LinkedIn or they are there but they're not really sold on LinkedIn because mm-hmm. all of these terms are really complicated or yes. they're just overwhelming right yeah. can you use LevelLine as an example of how to create a successful LinkedIn profile like quickly can you do that? So, how do you mean? So, for instance, with all of the tips that you've given us, mm-hmm. give me a label line profile that you would make. With people knowing what I do. You know what ah. I do, they know what I do. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, so, ooh, just as an like example. Mm, nice. You're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I am, I'm gonna I am. To, I'm going to have to charge you for this. I'm going to have to charge you for this. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, of course, you and I have had quite a few conversations about LinkedIn. So, you've already done a lot of the stuff that I would have liked to see. Um but because draw, draw it for them. They, yeah. they don't so, know it. So, first off, if you haven't been on her uh, LinkedIn profile, mm-hmm. make sure you do it. Oh, because yeah. that's, a, that's, that's a good starting point. Like, okay. I mean, yours is very well branded. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, I look at them like, yeah, this is, this is just all you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're an entrepreneur, so, you know, you are the brand. Exactly. So, pretty much everything that you put on, on, your, on your LinkedIn right now is on point in that it, it's the perfect sort of marriage between you, the person, mm-hmm. and the brand that you represent um, within your company. Mm-hmm. Um, profile picture, I rate it out of 10. It's definitely a 9.999. Because <laughs> you cannot get a perfect 10. Um, <laughs> and I remember as well, like even the banner that you've mm-hmm. got. I mean, that, that in itself just screams you. It's you know? in my uh, podcast uh, yeah. SoundCloud cover, yeah, actually. Exactly. Which, yeah. is, which, is, which is exactly on point as yeah. well. Um, and I, I do recall as well, I looked at this some time ago, yeah. that, you know, you 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 don't you don't necessarily talk about your job no, in terms of your title. I don't. You don't. So you're very specific around if there is a value statement there. It talks about, and I love that you know it goes beyond even just talking about the value that you deliver. It, it touches a little bit on your account. I can't remember the exact wording, but you know, yeah, you should. You know, you should read out for people. You read <laughs> myself out mine, on so <laughs> yes, you did. You did. So now we're going to mark your work. But I remember sending you a WhatsApp message about LinkedIn because. Mm-hmm. I think I did my profile, my bio, I think seven times yes. before I kind of was happy with yeah. the one that I have now. And yeah. I feel like I'm going to change it in a month's yes. time. Yes, So sometimes all the time. I do the same. It. I do the same. I do the same. It really depends on what... And sometimes I'll read my bio and I'll be like, yeah, yeah I don't feel like it quite, you know, because I, I, you don't want to write like a, you know, like a six-sentence paragraph. You yeah. want to get like a two-line, really bold statement that talks about you... What you do, the simplest, I always say the simplest thing is, think of it this way. You believe what you do is important. What is it that you believe is important about what you do? Mm. Just think of it that way and as a starting point. It's not, it's not, you're not going to be able to just craft it instantly. But if you think of it that way, even someone who's never heard of the industry you work in, they should be able to read it. And I'm not saying dumb it down, but yeah, yeah just don't, make, don't make use it big digestible, words. Digestible, palatable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Simple stuff like that. Love the visuals on yours. Love what you've said in terms of what you do yeah. for a living. That's exactly what we're talking about. Mm. It's just a starting point. And then one thing that, you know, jumping very quickly ahead, I love the content that you, you, you post. Thank you. Super engaging stuff. Okay. You know, it is. It is. And that's what it's supposed to do. Okay. Like content should, if your content is not engaged, if you po- post something and, and after looks. a week you've had one like, no one has commented or shared don't be discouraged. Yeah. It just means you're probably not in sync with your audience. Uh, look at who you actually have there. I, I would even go so far as saying, you know, if there are people within your network 
that you genuinely believe should actually see this article, tag be them. bold. Tag the life out yeah. of them. Hashtag stuff. You know, because you hashtag oh, it, the it hashtags it, are amazing. Hashtags make Love your it. stuff searchable. Yeah. There are people who go on LinkedIn and they're specifically searching for content on that. The number of times that I hashtag something and then two days later I get a notification from LinkedIn saying your hashtag is trending. Yeah. Stuff like that. I got because my first training two weeks ago. There you go. And, and I was like, how is this happening? Yeah. And that's it. Because yeah. it's not even people here. It's, mm. it's people everywhere. Anybody yeah. who's done a search, they could be in China or mm. wherever. And as long as you're getting those hits and that, that level of engagement, mm. boom. You know? I, and, and I cannot stress enough the content piece. Yeah. Because even if you don't do everything else super, super well, yeah. do not mess up the content. Because people are not very forgiving, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you spam people, they will they label you. you as a spammer, mm-hmm. they will turn off notifications, and you will never get them again. It's the equivalent of people hitting unsubscribe. Yeah. Like once they're gone, they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. You're not going to get them back. So the content piece for me is one of the biggest things that you're doing. I love the multimedia piece as well in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the because that's what you do. Videos, yeah, podcasts, all everything. that stuff. You, you, cannot, you, like, you cannot buy that stuff. Mm. And it humanizes you. Like it's an opportunity again to shine and talk about this is all the cool stuff that I do that I've created, presentations. You know, this is me on stage. This is an opportunity to be very vain, if you wish. Yeah. It's allowed. But do all that stuff like that. All of this stuff, really, when it comes together, it's, it's, it, it just paints a really compelling picture for people. I, I would do business with you. Like, really. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's we should talk after this podcast. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, I've got two more. I promise, guys, two more questions. I was reading somewhere about a month ago mm-hmm. about LinkedIn and the content ratio, and they were saying about 60% rounded off mm-hmm. of your content should be video on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and that LinkedIn is really moving into that whole visual space, and yeah. video space. Um, can we talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it is driven by what's going on in the consumer space. I mean, look at look at you know what your YouTube's, your Instagram, you know like uh, it, even even you look at you know Snapchat, you look at WhatsApp, everybody is consuming Video. Uh, consuming video, yeah. and that's the word that world that we're moving. I mean, there was a lot of was a lot of concern initially with people around. You know, well, if you're going to post a lot of video content, you know, does that not pretty much put us in the same space as everybody else? Yeah. But again, goes back to who is your target audience, mm. and does that audience, the, you know, will they consume this 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 video content in the way that you want it to? Um, people are just visual by nature, and it's just it's just what it is. Um, and I think that it's it's also about just trying to keep to keep up with the with the, with the trends as they as they emerge. Now, I don't really have any stats around what the engagement uh, looks like yeah. right now, but I can tell you that I'm super excited about it. Like you know, it's it's part of the of the training that I provide now to say to folks, you, you know, people people generally, especially salespeople, they love to talk on mm-hmm. the phone. Mm-hmm. They're not as comfortable with video, mm. um, and I and it's become a thing that. Um, so again, not to, to labor the point around around um, the, the, the the premium version of this, but there's something that LinkedIn provides that's called Point Drive. Okay. I think I've shared a couple of Point Drives with you, which is essentially an opportunity for you to create um, content that you share with prospects or with customers um, via a link, and when you click into that link. You know, they get to view your content regardless of what it is. It could be a video, it could be presentations, 
Um, and the cool thing with that is that it, it, it's trackable. You know, you, you share it with somebody, they click yeah. on it and they watch it. You know they clicked on it and they watched it for five minutes. Oh, uh, stuff okay. like that. Yeah. So that ties into what LinkedIn are, 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 are talking about around the, the video um, part of things. That, you know, they've also provided you with a means to share. So like if I wanted to send content to you via message rather than posting on the wall... There is a way for you to do that within LinkedIn, but um, yeah, I mean, video video is the future. It's just what it is. Like, and if you can if you can share your content that way, you know, I think you'll probably find it extremely sticky. Should my video be native to the platform, or should I do like a little teaser and put a YouTube link? How should I put video in on LinkedIn? So, in the space that I operate in, you know, it, this stuff is typically tied up in corporate policies and, you know, you can only use this platform because of security and what, what propriety and whatnot. But as, a, as, an, as an individual, I find a lot of people use Vimeo. Okay. A lot of people that I talk to are big into... Um, cre- I don't know if you could do like a TikTok. Could, probably could. Really? I but it's, a, could. it's that uh, portrait format that I don't think really yeah. works on. So, yeah, so I think a lot of LinkedIn. it is, is, is about trial and error somewhat. Like LinkedIn will, like when you go into specific formats, mm. they are YouTube and Vimeo. Those okay. are the two that they absolutely endorse for whatever reason. Um, but I think if you can find a platform that um, will actually allow you to present the video in the format that you actually wanted to mm-hmm. um, and provide there's a link. Again, like, I mean, it's a redirect, so it's not going to be that much of an issue. It all comes down to how you actually um, how you position your video. Like, I, I'm, I'm big into just thinking about the captive audience. The captive audience, the captive audience. If, if I'm going to put up a video, I, was, I, love, I love using video. Video, no matter how bored people get during a session, you put up video, everybody just leans forward with like, ooh, video, you know, it's mm. going to be entertaining. Mm. And it's the, same, it's the same virtual situation when you put something like that on your wall. Like, people will click on video because they, they don't know what to expect. Mm. Um, and it's, it's got this, it's, 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 there's a, a, an entertainment value to it. And if you can embed something in there that will result in them um, engaging with your platform, with your brand, you know, somehow enhancing your opportunity to actually work with them or sell to them, then by all means, you know, play okay. with it. That's, that's the only thing, it. guys. Play with it. Like, play. a lot of this, guys, is going to be trial and error, especially if you're relatively new to LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. A lot of, but the beauty of it is there's so much collateral out there. Um, personally, you want to connect with me, I'm more than happy to, 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 to I'm, I'm always happy to talk about this stuff. I, I talk for a living, as I always tell people, so mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But ultimately, you know, what will work for you is not what will work for everybody else because yes. you have your particular business, your particular set of clients or prospects or where you actually want to operate. So a lot of it will be trial and error. Okay, thank you so much. And I, I genuinely have one more, <laughs> one more question. Uh, and it's just about uh, younger people reaching out to older prospects, right? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? How should we do that? What kind of language should we be using? Mm. And how do we follow up on that? Yeah, that's a tricky one because mm. it's funny you should ask because I've found that it, it, it goes even beyond the young people, old people. Mm. It's also a very cultural thing. I see. Every region that you go to, there are things that you can do and you can't say. Like if I go to the U.S., you know, it doesn't matter that the person, you know, the person sending the email is, is 19 and they're sending it out to a 62-year-old exec. They're like, hi, Brad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all good, yeah. you know. You go to Germany, you 
just cannot you cannot say hi and you cannot address the person by their first name. Mm. It's always going to be and even even when you sign off, you're gonna sign off with your surname. Mm. So it varies massively. You have to be super acutely aware of the audience that you're trying to engage with. Mm. Because if you if you are engaging with and, and sometimes it's just even the sector. Like I found that for example, depending on the region, um, accountants are very conservative people. You'd never think it. Mm. But in some, in some in, like in the UK, very conservative bunch of people, you have to address them very specifically. Mm. You can't overwhelm them with technology. Uh, otherwise, they switch off. Mm. So same thing if you're here, because I get the cultural connotations, the way that we address older people. There's a very there's a specific cultural norm. Be aware of the audience. Be aware of the person that you're in. The beauty of having something like LinkedIn, again, if someone is using it properly, is that you can do all your research on the person. So you know this person is not 22, they are 62. Mm. Address them accordingly. Um, but I can say that people are professionals as well. You know, yeah. like if you keep your, your communications on a professional level, uh, I don't think that, that you know, let's just start with some of the stuff that we learn in, in primary school when you're writing letters. You know, that you know how, you, how, you, how you sign <laughs> off and all of that stuff. Uh, like, it's very hard to, to teach it on a regional level because even signing something off on LinkedIn, you know, there's some people who are just like, yeah, thanks. Mm. And they put their name. And some will want to say you all sincerely and kind regards and yeah. best regards. It really depends on... Um, all, all I can advise with something like this is that, you know, awareness is gold. Yeah. You know, know who the person is. Do your research. Don't be lazy. I've interviewed people who've... Ne- I don't think I've told you about this. I've interviewed people and they... They don't know anything about me. Or you, the interviewer. Yeah, yeah. and I have tons of information on, on, on social. Like, they just don't... They have no idea. And, and you're going to ask me, so, you know, coming into this company, what do you think would be the most challenging thing? And they don't really know what we sell. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you're going to have that lack of awareness, that level... Really, you're wasting you're wasting your time because no one's going to be paying attention, and it's just going to be yeah, it's just don't you use the platform, use the resources you have. LinkedIn free is is great. You'll be able to find a ton of stuff there. Then over time, you can look at you know does your strategy merit moving on to something that you you pay for. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people when they send me the uh, what's it called emails mm-hmm. about how they've emailed or messaged people uh, people on uh, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and it will always be good afternoon, good day, Mister Whoever. My name is, and I do this. I would like your help on this. Oh, what should that second paragraph be? Actually, what should it all be? <laughs> good day, yeah. Mister Whoever. Do you yeah. start with, this is who I am, this is what I do? It's not about you. Okay. That's the first thing. Yeah. Remember, you're, you're writing to me, and you want me to engage with you, talk to you, work with you. What, what, what's the value? Like, mm. what, dear Jabu, you know, um, what? Why, why are you reaching out to me? <laughs> what is it that you've seen that's made you think emailing Jabu is a good idea? Yeah. It's not because your name is level. Yes. So don't, don't don't start with that. I'll see it at the bottom. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell me. Mm. But it, it's back to the value statement. What is it that you see? So when you're on LinkedIn, one of the key things is always that you should earn the right to send someone an email. Mm. Okay? okay? Just don't look me up and then be like, okay, I'm going to send you an email. Mm. Earn the right. So if I post content... I would say, like, as well, that, you know, if, if you're doing things right, it eliminates the cold call. It mm. warms things up. 
So if I post content and you are keeping an eye on me because you want to connect, you want to send me an email, you should engage with my content. Mm. Engage with my profile. Because one thing is, if you go and look at my profile, I will know that you looked at my profile. Okay, so I'm like, oh, he was looking at my profile. I wonder why. Mm. If you're someone that's interesting, I might hop on your profile and have a quick look. And then I'll leave it there. But you're going to follow that up by viewing the content that I've shared. doesn't matter. It might be content that I posted three months ago. Mm. You read the piece. You like it. And comment. And you comment. <laughs> Great piece level. Yeah. Very insightful. I've often found that we... Like, you, you, there's a dialogue. Yeah. You at mentioned me there. And I might go and go, ooh, that's actually a very interesting insight. Yeah, thanks for the comment. Yeah, we've also found some... You know, like, we, we've already started a dialogue. By the time you send me that email, you can actually use the, that conversation that we've had as a basis for us to have a conversation. There's no longer any need for you to say, my name is, I work for, this is what we do, and this is why I want to connect with you. Mm. Like, you start that way, like, literally, I have switched off every single light in my head. I'm gone. Mm. So... That's why it's important that you, I don't use it with the word stalk, mm -hmm. but um, to some extent it is an element of stalking. Mm. But you are following people on, on social media and getting to a point where you've earned that right. They know your name, they know who you are, or at least they recognize your name, mm. to a point where when you send something through, if they don't want to engage, they'll, be, they'll tell you candidly. Thank you very much for your email. This is not something that I look for. I'm, I look in, or I look after, or something that is of interest this year, or whatever the case may be. But they will engage. Mm. But yeah, that that particular one that you read, that no, it won't that's, work. Like literally, that's a big no-no. Okay, thank big you no -no. so much for gracing our podcast oh. and giving us really important insights on LinkedIn. Like I just got there. And it's tricky, you know, it's, it's fun, but it's tricky. And yes. it's, you always want to get someone's voice who's actually done the thing and who actually enjoys it mm -hmm. and who actually knows what it's like to be an African person trying to be on social media. Because mm -hmm. I think that's a completely different experience to being European or American or yeah. whatever. Born into that world. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast, Jawu. I highly, highly appreciate it. I've been trying to pin you down <laughs> for this podcast for a long time. So thank you so much for no, finally making it. It's been my absolute pleasure, and I hope your listeners uh, managed to get a few hints and tips on uh, how to better utilize social media. No doubt, like it, it is the way of the future. This is where everything is going now. So get on board, folks. You heard him. It is the way of the future. Get on board, folks. Thank you for listening to the Lessons with Lion podcast. I'm your host, Lebu Lion. Join me for more marketing and entrepreneurship conversations on YouTube and Twitter by searching for Lebu Lion S.A. L-E-B-O-L-I-O-N-S-A. Until next time, remember, you already have what it takes to achieve your wildest dreams.